Section 14 of A Voyage to the Moon by Cyrano de Bergerac, translated by Archibald Lovell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 12 of A Philosophical Entertainment. After I had proclaimed this in the five great places of the town, my advocate came and reached me his hand to help me down. I was in great amaze when, after I had eyed him, I found him to be my spirit. We were an hour in embracing one another. Come, lodge with me, said he, for if you return to court after a public disgrace, you will not be well looked upon. Nay more, I must tell you, that you would have been still amongst the apes yonder, as well as the Spaniard your companion. If I had not, in all companies, published the vigour and force of your wit, and gained from your enemies the protection of the great men in your favours. I ceased not to thank him all the way, till we came to his lodgings. There he entertained me till supper-time, with all the engines he had set a work to prevail with my enemies, notwithstanding the most specious pretexts they had used for riding the mobile, to desist from so unjust a prosecution. But as they came to acquaint us that supper was upon the table, he told me that to bear me company that evening he had invited two professors of the university of the town to sup with him i'll make them said he fall upon the philosophy which they teach in this world and by that means you shall see my landlord's son he's as witty a youth as ever i met with he would prove another socrates if he could use his parts aright and not bury in vice the graces wherewith god continually visits him by affecting a libertinism as he does out of a chimerical ostentation and affectation of the name of a wit i have taken lodgings here that i may lay hold on all opportunities of instructing him he said no more that he might give me the liberty to speak if i had a mind to it and then made a sign that they should strip me of my disgraceful ornaments in which i still glistered the two professors whom we expected entered just as i was undressed and we went to sit down to table where the cloth was laid and where we found the youth he had mentioned to me fallen to already they made him a low reverence and treated him with as much respect as a slave does his lord i asked my spirit the reason of that who made me answer that it was because of his age seeing in that world the aged rendered all kind of respect and difference to the young and which is far more that the parents obeyed their children so soon as by the judgment of the senate of philosophers they had attained to the years of discretion you are amazed continued he at a custom so contrary to that of your country but it is not all repugnant to reason for say in your conscience when a brisk young man is at his prime in imagining judging and acting is not he fitter to govern a family than a decrepit piece of threescore years dull and doting whose imagination is frozen under the snow of sixty winters who follows no other guide but what you call the experience of happy successes which are no more but the bare effects of chance against all the rules and economy of humane prudence and as for judgment he hath but little of that neither though the people of your world make it the portion of old age but to undeceive them they must know that that which is called prudence in an old man is no more but a panic apprehension and a mad fear of acting anything where there is danger so that when he does not run a risk wherein a young man hath lost himself it is not that he foresaw the catastrophe but because he had not fire enough to kindle those noble flashes which make us dare 
whereas the boldness of that young man was as a pledge of the good success of his design because the same ardour that speeds and facilitates the execution thrust him upon the undertaking as for execution i should wrong your judgment if i endeavoured to convince it by proofs you know that youth alone is proper for action and were you not fully persuaded of this tell me pray when you respect a man of courage is it not because he can revenge you on your enemies or oppressors and does anything but mere habit make you consider him when a battalion of seventy januaries hath frozen his blood and chilled all the noble heats that youth is warmed with when you yield to the stronger is it not that he should be obliged to you for a victory which you cannot dispute him why then should you submit to him when laziness has softened his muscles weakened his arteries evaporated his spirits and sucked the marrow out of his bones if you adore a woman is it not because of her beauty why should you then continue your cringes when old age hath made her a ghost which only represents a hideous picture of death in short when you loved a witty man it was because by the quickness of his apprehension he unravelled an intricate affair seasoned the choicest companies with his quaint sayings and sounded the depth of sciences with a single thought and do you still honour him when his worn organs disappoint his weak noddle when he has become dull and uneasy in company and when he looks like an aged fairy rather than a rational man conclude then from thence son that it is fitter young men should govern families than old and the rather that according to your own principles hercules achilles epaminondus alexander and caesar of whom most part died under forty years of age could have merited no honours as being too young in your account though their youth was the only cause of their famous actions which a more advanced age would have rendered ineffectual as wanting that heat and promptitude that rendered them so highly successful but you'll tell me that all the laws of your world do carefully enjoin the respect that is due to old men that's true but it is as true also that all who made laws have been old men who feared that young men might justly have dispossessed them of the authority they had usurped you owe nothing to your mortal architecture but your body only your soul comes from heaven and chance might have made your father your son as now you are his nay are you sure he hath not hindered you from inheriting a crown your spirit left heaven perhaps with a design to animate the king of the romans in the womb of the empress it casually encountered the embryo of you by the way and it may be to shorten its journey went and lodged there no no god would never have raised your name out of the list of mankind though your father had died a child but who knows whether you might not have been at this day the work of some valiant captain that would have associated you to his glory as well as to his estate so that perhaps you are no more indebted to your father for the life he hath given you than you would be to a pirate who had put you in chains because he feeds you nay grant he had begot you a prince or king a present loses its merit when it is made without the option of him who receives it caesar was killed and so was cassius too in the meantime cassius was obliged to the slave from whom he begged his death but so was not caesar to his murderers who forced it upon him did your father consult your will and pleasure when he embraced your mother did he ask you if you thought fit to see that age or to wait for another if you would be satisfied to be the son of a sot or if you had the ambition to spring from a brave man 
alas you whom alone the business concerned were the only person not consulted in the case maybe then had you been shut up anywhere else than in the womb of nature's ideas and had your birth been in your own opinion you would have said to the parker my dear lady take another spindle in your hand i have lain very long in the bed of nothing and i had rather continue an hundred years still without a being than to be to-day that i may repent of it to-morrow however be you must it was to no purpose for you to whimper and squall to be taken back again to the long and darksome house they drew you out of they made as if they believed you cried for the teat these are the reasons at least some of them my son why parents bear so much respect to their children i know very well that i have inclined to the children's side more than in justice i ought and that in favour of them i have spoken a little against my conscience but since i was willing to repress the pride of some parents who insult over the weakness of their little ones i have been forced to do as they do who to make a crooked tree straight bend it to the contrary side that between two conversions it may become even thus i have made fathers restore to their children what they have taken from them by taking from them a great deal that belonged to them that so another time they may be content with their own i know very well also that by this apology i have offended all old men but let them remember that they were children before they were fathers and young before they were old and that i must needs have spoken a great deal to their advantage seeing they were not found in a parsley bed but in fine fall back fall edge though my enemies draw up against my friends it will go well enough still with me for i have obliged all men and only disobliged but one half with that he held his tongue and our landlord's son spoke in this manner give me leave said he to him since by your care i am informed of the original history customs and philosophy of the world of this little man to add something to what you have said and to prove that children are not obliged to parents for their generation because their parents were obliged in conscience to procreate them the strictest philosophy of their world acknowledges that it is better to die since to die one must have lived than not to have had a being now seeing by not giving a being to that nothing i leave it in a state worse than death i am more guilty in not producing than in killing it in the meantime my little man thou wouldst think thou hadst committed an unpardonable parricide shouldst thou have cut thy son's throat it would indeed be an enormous crime but it is far more execrable not to give a being to that which is capable of receiving it for that child whom thou deprivest of life for ever hath had the satisfaction of having enjoyed it for some time besides we know that it is but deprived of it but for some ages but these forty poor little nothings which thou mightest have made forty good soldiers for the king thou art so malicious as to deny them life and lettest them corrupt in thy reins to the danger of an apoplexy which will stifle thee this philosophy did not at all please me which made me three or four times shake my head but our preceptor held his tongue because supper was mad to be gone we laid ourselves along then upon very soft quilts covered with large carpets and a young man that waited on us taking the oldest of our philosophers led him into a little parlour apart where my spirit called to him to come back to us as soon as he had supped this humour of eating separately gave me the curiosity of asking the cause of it he'll not relish said he the steam of meat nor yet of herbs unless they die of themselves because he thinks they are sensible of pain 
i wonder not so much replied i that he abstains from flesh and all things that have had a sensitive life for in our world the pythagoreans and even some holy anchorites have followed that rule but not to dare for instance cut a cabbage for fear of hurting it that seems to me altogether ridiculous and for my part answered my spirit i find a great deal of probability in his opinion for tell me is not that cabbage you speak of a being existent in nature as well as you is not she the common mother of you both yet the opinion that nature is kinder to mankind than to cabbage kind tickles and makes us laugh but seeing she is incapable of passion she can neither love nor hate anything and were she susceptible of love she would rather bestow her affection upon this cabbage which you grant cannot offend her than upon that man who would destroy her if it lay in his power and moreover man cannot be born innocent being a part of the first offender but we know very well that the first cabbage did not offend its creator if it be said that we are made after the image of the supreme being and so is not the cabbage grant that to be true yet by polluting our soul wherein we resembled him we have effaced that likeness seeing nothing is more contrary to god than sin if then our soul be no longer his image we resemble him no more in our feet hands mouth forehead and ears than a cabbage in its leaves flowers stalk pith and head do not you really think that if this poor plant could speak when one cuts it it would not say dear brother man what have i done to thee that deserves death i never grow but in gardens and am never to be found in desert places where i might live in security i disdain all other company but thine and scarcely am i sowed in thy garden when to show thee my good will i blow stretch out my arms to thee and offer thee my children in grain and as a requital for my civility thou causest my head to be chopped off thus would a cabbage discourse if it could speak well and because it cannot complain may we therefore justly do it all the wrong which it cannot hinder if i find a wretch bound hand and foot may i lawfully kill him because he cannot defend himself so far from that that his weakness would aggravate my cruelty and though this wretched creature be poor and destitute of all the advantages which we have yet it deserves not death and when of all the benefits of a being it hath only that of increase we ought not cruelly to snatch that away from it to massacre a man is not so great sin as to cut and kill a cabbage because one day the man will rise again but the cabbage has no other life to hope for by putting to death a cabbage you annihilate it but in killing a man you make him only change his habitations nay i'll go farther with you still since god doth equally cherish all his works and hath equally divided the benefits betwixt us and plants it is but just we should have an equal esteem for them as for ourselves it is true we were born first but in the family of god there is no birthright if then the cabbage share not with us in the inheritance of immortality without doubt that want was made up by some other advantage that may make amends for the shortness of its being maybe by an universal intellect or a perfect knowledge of all things in their causes and it's for that reason that the wise mover of all things hath not shaped for it organs like ours which are proper only for a simple reasoning not only weak but many times fallacious too but others more ingeniously framed stronger and more numerous which serve to manage its speculative exercises 
you'll ask me perhaps whenever any cabbage imparted those lofty conceptions to us but tell me again whoever discovered to us certain beings which we allow to be above us to whom we bear no analogy nor proportion and whose existence it is as hard for us to comprehend as the understanding and ways whereby a cabbage expresses itself to its like though not to us because our senses are too dull to penetrate so far moses the greatest of philosophers who drew the knowledge of nature from the fountainhead nature herself hinted this truth to us when he spoke of the tree of knowledge and without doubt he intended to intimate to us under that figure that plants in exclusion to mankind possess perfect philosophy remember then o thou proudest of animals that though a cabbage which thou cuttest saith not a word yet it pays it at thinking but the poor vegetable has no fit organs to howl as you do nor yet to frisk it about and weep yet it hath those that are proper to complain of the wrong you do it and to draw a judgment from heaven upon you for the injustice but if you still demand of me how i come to know that cabbage and colworts conceive such pretty thoughts then i will ask you how come you to know that they do not and that some amongst them when they shut up at night may not compliment one another as you do saying good night master coal curled pate your most humble servant good master cabbage roundhead so far was he gone on in his discourse when the young lad who had led out our philosopher led him in again what supped already cried my spirit to him he answered yes almost the physiognomist having permitted him to take a little more with us our young landlord stayed not till i should ask him the meaning of that mystery i perceive said he you wonder at this way of living know then that in your world the government of health is too much neglected and that our method is not to be despised in all houses there is a physiognomist entertained by the public who in some manner resembles your physicians save that he only prescribes to the healthful and judges of the different manners how we are to be treated only according to the proportion figure and symmetry of our members by the features of the face the complexion the softness of the skin the agility of the body the sound of the voice and the colour strength and hardness of the hair did not you just now mind a man of a pretty low stature who eyed you he was the physiognomist of the house assure yourself that according as he observed your constitution he hath diversified the exhalation of your supper mark the quilt on which you lie how distant it is from our couches without doubt he judges your constitution to be far different from ours since he feared that the odour which evaporates from those little pipkins that stand under our noses might reach you or that yours might steam to us at night you'll see him choose the flowers for your bed with the same circumspection End of chapter 12